0: We are still working on our theme, Who I Am in Christ. And the message for today is, I am sanctified. Now, sanctification is not a word that we hear a lot about today. It's kind of like an old term that we've kind of discarded, maybe not intentionally, because maybe we just don't understand what it means to be sanctified. So what we're going to do today is look at the scripture course that relates to it, and then look at the practical application of how it works out in our world today, and particularly in our lives, because that's what these series are about, that we can truly come to that place of knowing who we are in Christ so it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and so Theseus, our brother to the church of God which is at Corinth to those who have been you, let me try that again <laughs> thank you, God. Thank you God. To those who have been in Christ, Jesus, saints by calling. Now, another reason we may have an issue with this particular understanding of the scripture of sanctification is it says we are saints. How I many of you got up this morning, looked in the mirror and said, good morning, St. Steve? <laughs> uh, you put your name in there, not mine, Okay. <laughs> Now, the point of all this is that it's not something we did or something we are able to do, but it's what is done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul, as he's talking to the folks at Corinth, he's reminding them, as I am reminding us today, this is who we are. You say, but I don't always act like a saint. And that's probably true the word of God says, but that's who we are. So if the word of God says one thing and my life is something else, where's the problem? Yeah. Yeah, it's me. That's right. With all who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting, when Paul writes his letters, he says, with grace and peace. You know why he says that? Because we need it. We need the grace, the enabling power of God through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to actually live out who the Word of God says that we are. And then we have the peace that God gives us so we can live in that in such a way that he is glorified, he is honored, and he is praised. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. How much of us does he want to sanctify? Yeah, all of us, he's talking to every one of us who knows Christ. This is not for select elect few. This is for every person who knows Christ. But in our own personal lives, that this sanctification process is ongoing so that may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, God is preparing a church without spot or blemish for the return of Christ. Now, that return is more soon than later. And again, you don't have to be a biblical scholar to figure that out. But all of this is God reminding us today, this is who we are, this is what we are, this is how this works. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who began the work? Who began the work? He did. God did. Christ did. The work of the Trinity: God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He began the good work. Who's going to complete it? He is. What is the? So what's the issue? The issue is, are we willing? I know you've heard people say, and and I, I get it. Some people say, well, the Christian life is just a struggle. Well, I get there is a struggle. The struggle really is, are we going to surrender to him so he can accomplish in us all that he says is real? Are we going to hang on to our junk? That's what it comes down to. As you sent me into the world, this is Jesus talking on his high priestly prayer in John 17, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world, he's talking about his disciples, his apostles, for their sakes I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. What's the truth? Truth is the word of God. So, we have this privilege, particularly today, of having the word of God available to to us so that as we live our lives the truth that is necessary for our lives to be changed, transformed and glorified to him it's all right here. Now that being said I want to give this simple definition then we will get a little more complex simply stated sanctification is set apart for an intended purpose. So here's what I want you to get Every person here, no matter who you are, every person who knows Christ, it's true for every person, but it's more true for us in the sense of God's reality, for those of us who know Christ. When God created you, he did so for a reason. Now, whether or not you've done that, whether or not you've lived that, that's a whole other point. But let me illustrate in a very simple way how this works. This morning, I'm—well, you guys aren't too close to so this, you'll be fine— I am sanctifying my shoes. How many of you have sanctified shoes? See the definition? This shoe was created for a purpose. It was created to protect my foot. And so today, as I wear these shoes that were created for that purpose, I am helping them or allowing them to fulfill the purpose of their creation. Does that make sense? Sometimes that one gets so simple, people lose it. But that's us. That really is how simple it is. And to know that when God created us, he created us for an incredible purpose. Just like the shoe was made to put on my foot. It it does have, I guess, another purpose. It does protect my foot, but it keeps the smell in too. So that's a good thing. So with that in mind, I want to share a little bit of what just happened with Sheila and I. Uh, Some months ago, you guys know that we decided as a church family to tithe the, the money from the sale of the land, which by the way, you see the trees are being cleared now, and they're hoping to build houses first part of next year. But part of that was to help fund translations into people groups that did not have the Bible in their language. Well, the ministry that we were tithing to is called Faith Comes by Hearing. They're they're located in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and so Sheila and I were invited out for their annual conference, which just took place last week, to spend a few days with the folks who are there on staff. And they were so gracious to bring, of course, many people from different parts of the country, but also from around the world. And so we literally got to see in a very visual way sanctification. Because as folks were there from parts of the world, some of them I had never even heard of, to be honest, language and people groups that I didn't know anything about, as we listened to testimonies, as we watched videos, all of this was us having the privilege and opportunity to see true sanctification, because these folks were fulfilling the very reason, the very purpose of their creation. Now, you have to understand, that's not who Sheila and I are. We have pastors' hearts. That's who God made us. That's how God created us. That's why he put us where he did. And so what we did while we were there was we ministered to the people who were in different parts of the world, different places, ministering. It was our joy to pray with them, pray for them, and minister any way we could. But why? Because that's not our purpose. We can help fund that, and which we're doing, praise God for the privilege. But at the same time, God didn't take us out there so we could say, oh, we need to be in Cambodia. We need to be in some other place, some other part of the world. No, we're here because this is where God put us. We're doing what God intended for us to do, so we just want to keep doing it. But while we're here, we can minister to people that he places before us. It is quite the privilege, quite the opportunity. But it was one of those things where, like, we just did the worship, and the one about we're in the fire. We were literally literally worshiping with folks who are living in that fire. Uh, we had a panel one, one session, and so one of the leaders of Faith Comes By Hearing was on stage with the panel, and he said, excuse me, folks, he said, I just saw some of you put your, your phones up taking pictures. Please do not upload those pictures to any social media, because John over there, we don't know if that's a real name or not, John over there, if if that gets posted on social media, when he gets back home to the country he's from, he would probably begin a prison ministry from inside the prison because he would be arrested. So as we were worshiping and sharing this time, there was such a diversity. There were business people from different parts of the world who were there contributing and, and being a big part of Faith Comes by Hearing. And by the way, my hero from the whole thing was Jerry Jackson. Jerry Jackson, for those who don't know, was the founder of Faith Comes By Hearing. And we had not been there like 15 minutes, and we were escorted into his office. There was no formality that I saw. We were just real people doing real stuff. We were escorted into his office, and we were having this conversation. And he said, you know, when I was about 65, I said, God... I need to get some smart people in here to do this, and then I can just kind of retire. He said, God said, Oh, no, that is not what my plan is for you. Jerry is now 87. He comes to work every day and works every day like everybody else does, and faith comes by hearing. We're here for the long run, folks. We're here to do the will and the word and the work of God in such a way that we demonstrate to the world this is what true sanctification is. So I ran across a quote from uh, John Piper, which I thought was interesting. Because John Piper said, in reality, when we come to know Christ, that first experience, when we truly enter into that relationship with him, he said, it's kind of like a nuclear blast. Because so many things that God does in our life right away, and then he has this cleanup that he goes on and on and on for a long time. Well, I found that quote interesting because when I came to know Christ, I was in the Navy and I was in nuclear weapons. And so I I had the privilege, for those who don't know, uh, a lot of things that you can find on YouTube and all now didn't exist back in the day. Of course, YouTube didn't exist many of the things that we were able to have privy to and watch and come to understand were the things that happened in nuclear warfare way back World War II and all the things that happened so those were kind of privileged informations but the whole point of it is when there is a nuclear blast something gets destroyed And I thought back over my own personal relationship with Christ and on that Sunday morning, March the 28th, 1971, that I knelt at the altar of Citadel Square Baptist Church in Charleston, South Carolina as a Navy personnel, a nuclear blast went off because when I got up, I was a different person. The drinking, brawling sailor that I had been died that day. And I really stepped into a new life. I really did. I was still in the Navy. I was still doing my work. I still enjoyed what I did. But it was just totally different. My vocabulary had to change. My attitude had to change. My actions had to change. And I'm, I'm telling you, this was God. God. And I am so privileged today to say to you, it was, it is, and continues to be. That's why 1 Corinthians 15.10 has become such a precious verse for me in my life. I am what I am by the grace of God. I know what I was before his grace. And it was terrible. It was stinky. But now by the grace of God, I get to experience the sanctification of being set apart for his purpose that he created me for that I had no clue of that day and it wasn't he did this big download and, and I came to know Christ said oh i'm going I'm going to be in the ministry'm going I, all I knew was I'm a new person I'm, I am the witness and testimony of the grace and work of God I don't know how all this plays out because I really didn't. As I've told you before, I'd, even though I had read the Bible at certain times because my parents you know, required me to do that along the way some but now I I had this hunger for the Word of God and and, and I would read the Word and study the Word and pray over the Word and and the Holy Spirit of God, even though I didn't know know who He was, was taking that Word and, and putting it in... He was sanctifying. See, there's that instant sanctification. That's that nuclear blast that John Piper talks about. And then there's progressive sanctification. That's the cleanup that God has to do. And we've described it in so many different ways that when God created you and me, In that special, incredible moment, he put in us everything that he he wanted us to have and to know and to be. We didn't understand that. In most cases, our parents didn't either. And so along the way, what we do is we dump a lot of toxic waste. And others do as well on our lives. We do enough damage, others do damage as well, and so it just kind of builds up, and builds up, and builds up, and so in this process of sanctification, what God has done is, yes, there's that blast that clears out a lot of the very obvious stuff, but then there's that cleanup, it's kind of like we describe for people... When people are trying, they're they're really working hard, they're doing their best, they're wanting to follow God and honor God and glorify God, and yet it's like something keeps pulling them back, they keep pulling them back. And so the way I've learned to describe it is it's kind of like you have this nice house, and you're doing everything you can to keep it nice, but unbeknownst to you, down in the basement there's a 55-gallon drum of toxic waste that just keeps seeping into the system. And until you are able by the grace of God and sometimes with the help of others to open the door to the basement and get down there and clean that mess up, you will live your whole life. Some actually live their whole life and die never having had the true deliverance and healing and help from God that he so desperately wants us to have. Because here's the thing. Every time you have that precious new baby and we're so blessed to have them here. Every time you have one of those, God has created that treasure, and in that tiny, tiny baby, now some of them are kind of whoppers. we just had one over nine pounds, but in those little babies, God has put everything in there for life and godliness. Do you get that everything for now understand there 's this process of us coming to a place of knowledge and understanding of who God is and what he's done and like I told you from my own personal testimony I had heard about Christ before I knew some of the things of the word of God before because I'd had that opportunity that privilege but it was never personal (coughs) excuse excuse me (coughs) one of the guys that we were with in Albuquerque was raised Catholic he said I was taught some truth He said, but on the day that I realized that what I knew was only up here and none of it had ever penetrated here, that's when my life changed. He said that little bit of distance from my head to my heart was what made the difference for me. And he's an amazing young man, loves the Lord. And uh, maybe we'll get to meet him one day. He lives not too far from here. His love for us so deep, so amazing that in us all this wonderful, wonderful glory for him and honor for him is there to be unpacked in our lives and we're set apart with this intended purpose. See, it it was a grace for me that he allowed me to see that early in my life when he called me into the ministry, but see, he doesn't do that for everyone because that's not his intention for everyone. Whatever it is that God's place to you. Wherever it is that God's place to you. His intention for you is what's important. And so our focus, our worship is on him because as we see him as we should, then we'll see our life as he intended it to be. You may be an engineer. Could be in medical the medical profession who knows doesn't matter maybe you're working on an assembly line somewhere when God reveals himself and his process of sanctification in your life you understand I am his representative here I'm not his representative there I'm his representative here as we were there with so many people from different parts of the world and would hear their incredible, miraculous stories of deliverance and healing and help. I couldn't be where they were. And they won't be where I am. Wasn't God's plan. But oh, 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 when we truly understand this is his plan for me. This is how I'm supposed to live the life by the power and empowering of the Holy Spirit being His representative. And being His representative brings some character issues to light. One is that I'm His representative and whatever it is that I'm involved in, whatever it is that He has placed me in, then there's integrity. People trust me. I think the ladies had one of the uh, comments from their Bible study in Elijah. I think I've got this right. And the question was, what do people say about you when you're not in the room? Do they kind of hope you don't show up?
1: Because
0: I'm telling you, you can take this to the bank if you want to. And this assembly, we can not only tell when people are here that are hurting and going through difficulty and trials. We can also tell when people aren't here that need to be here just like the scripture that Jake read uh, on the grace marriage we're to encourage one another to be together to come together to worship together to spend this time together It's it's important enough for God to put it in his word and so let's do this and let's do it as he gives us grace to do so so the simple definition set apart for intended purpose in the past, God granted us justification as a once-for-all position of holiness in Jesus. God did that. Do you get that? You, First Corinthians one thirty. Me, every one of us, in our past. That, like I told you that day, for me on March the twenty-eighth, nineteen seventy-one, God. Took all of history, as it were, biblical history, and put it to work in my life right then that day. Did I understand it all? No. Did I know it all? No. But that was what he did. And so he's now put me, and so from my past of all my junk, all my unrighteousness, all my, all my crud, he says, but here is the work of Christ I'm applying to your life, so my, my past is cared for. In the present, God guides us to maturity and very practical holiness. That's found in Hebrews ten fourteen. And this is so cool. In the future, God will give us glorification, a permanent, ultimate holiness, Colossians 3, 4. God has done that. God is doing that. And God will do that. How we respond is up to us. Whether or not we choose to, as Paul was told, or his name was Saul at the time on the Damascus Road, and Jesus appears to him in a vision, and he says, Saul, Saul, why do you kick against the goads? You know what a goad is? How many know what a goad is? A goad's a sharp stick. When I came here, I used to like to go barefoot. I grew up as a country boy, Okay. But I learned a lesson in Chester, South Carolina that has prevented me from doing a whole lot of barefoot walking. It's called a green pine cone. If you've ever accidentally kicked one, in my mind, that's kicking against the goads because it hurts like all get out. So we can choose. Are we going to kick against the goads? Are we going to go against the will of God? Are we going to go, and go against the way of God? Are we going to go against the sanctification of God that he has been working in us and doing for us and accomplishing through us? Are we going to say, okay, God, it really is about your way. I'm going to do it your way. This stuff that you've shown me over and over again. Sometimes we've had it, some of us in our lives for years, and, and we're embarrassed that it's been there for so long. It's humiliating. That we've let those types of thoughts and attitudes and actions continue in our lives. But remember, he took care of our past. He is working in our presence, present, and he is working toward our future. And that is for every believer, every child of God. So these three phases of sanctification separate the believer from the penalty of sin, that's justification, The power of sin so that I can live every day. I don't have to succumb to the power. of The temptations are going to come. We're told that. But no temptation has taken us but such as common demand that God is faithful. Who will not let us be tempted above what we're able. But with the temptation provide a way to escape. And the presence of sin. That one day. Really not too near. Not too distant future. When we will be there in his presence and there is no sin that's glorification that is his offer to every person on earth that is his plan for every one of us who knows him as our personal savior so I mentioned that these character things but also practices of worship all this is part of what God has done and what God is doing and He takes this process that He has us in and purifies. I remember for me one of the big purification processes for me was my language because I was so profane in my language. And He just, the Holy Spirit just started this work of grace to clean it up. And I'm so grateful that He did. What if I'm not one of those who is so profane in the sense that I'm using profanity, but maybe I'm just a gossip instead? You know, I'm one of those folks who I don't really share gossip. What I do is share a prayer request. Well, that went over well. You know how that works. I'm not going to gossip, but I'm going to share these things about somebody else so you can pray for them. It's not really the motive, but we've kind of put religion on that to make it, put a religious spin to make it sound good and make us sound spiritual. Rather than going to the closet of prayer on our face and our knees before God on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because let me tell you something. God never intended when He allowed you to see something in somebody else's life for you to become their critic. But He fully intended for you to become their intercessor. And we're failing miserably. Sometimes it's our own mate. We bother to pray for our mate. We're doing the marriage retreat this year. If you've not signed up, please do so. You're going to have a great time, but not just that. You're going to learn and grow. And so Sheila and I were asked to do a breakout session, and and I don't really have her full agreement on this yet, but what I'd like for us, she and I, to do in a breakout session is do a session on what it means to pray together. The trip to Albuquerque, uh, because I'd had the brain injury, My doctor was concerned about me flying out and flying back and all that, so he required a brain scan before I left, cleared me to fly out, but he said, I think you need to drive back 1,700 miles, Doc, come on. But I was traveling with my wife and my best friend, so it was a good trip. Along the way, we'd pray together, we'd read Scripture together, we'd listen to... Worship songs together, messages together, whatever we could find. It was just kind of an impression of the Holy Spirit. And I need to tell you about our unique worship experience at Pike, Pikes Peak. Since we were driving back, I decided to go north to Colorado Springs and go to Pikes Peak. And um, we got to the ticket booth, and they said, it was on Sunday morning, so I told Sheila, I said, we get to worship at the top of Pikes Peak, 14,115 feet in the air. Is that not amazing? The toll booth, the lady comes over and she says, "I, I need to tell you, before you buy your ticket, you cannot go all the way to the top today because we have frozen roads at the top and so we can't permit you to go. We said, well, we'll go as far as we can and we'll do our worship. Well, we get to the place that they said we'd have to be stopped and turn around and the sign says, go on through. So we did. We went all the way to the top and we stepped out of the car it was 32 degrees and the wind was 60 miles an hour we got into the public area there which was sheltered of course and got something to drink I told Sheila I said you yeah, know I came up here to do this worship time and so I want to I do that and so I stepped out the door I made sure there was a railing there between me and the edge and I said oh God I love you, I praise you, and I thank you. Now I'm going back inside. (laughs) It may have been one of my most quick worship times in history. But it was unique, and I shall remember it all the days of my life. So I'm sharing all that with you in all this process that as we worship, as we honor him, as our life is changed and transformed by him, as we go through this instant sanctification at new birth and then the progressive sanctification that he still has me in. And I, I can't tell you how grateful I am to my God who continues to love me so desperately that he won't let me get by with my junk. You know, I've been at this a long time. I can I can get some pretty good verbiage going and and he just says, Nah, that's not what this is really about, is it says, Steve? Let's look at the heart. Let's look at what's really going on. As I said, sometimes there's toxic waste in the basement that needs to be taken care of. And if there is, we need to take care of it. No matter who we are. Doesn't matter if we're up in this platform or you're not. It's not the issue. The issue is, are we truly living out as those sanctified children of God that will bring glory and praise and honor to Him whatever we are involved in because that's where He put us and that's the other thing. Be careful as you involve yourself in things in life that you have truly spent time in prayer to know that that's where you should be. Prime example, years ago I coached baseball. I'm not an athlete. I played baseball, football, football, Basketball in high school, and I played the same position in every sport, bench, because that's how good I was in every sport. But then, as my daughter and son started playing sports and there was such a need for coaches, I really did ask God if uh, that's where he wanted me to be. Now, I can't say I had this long formal prayer and I didn't do a days of fasting. I just want to be sure that I wasn't doing it for the wrong motive. And what God showed me was it's not just for your kids, but there are other kids out there, your touch. And what a blessing that was because we had the privilege of touching not just children but families and see what he did. So my point is, even in those things, whatever they may be, extracurricular, whatever you want to call them, Lord, is this what you want us to do? Because as I mentioned before, it is amazing to me how people will change locations, change jobs, change marriage partners, and never even pray, never even ask God if this is what you want. So what do we do? What do we do this morning? So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. One of the things that Sheila and I worked on when we were coming back was a lot of different music and things. And we we this one song that we really so appreciate, and it was really a song that we listened to a lot back during COVID. And so, uh, He Will Hold Me Fast. And you have to ask, you, well, what does that mean, He Will Hold Me Fast? Well, John 10.10 10 says that we're in His hand and nothing can take us out of His hand. So as we are... Progressing through the sanctification process we need to be reminded as those who are in Christ that we're in his hands and nothing and I do mean nothing Paul writes about it in Corinthians where he says nothing can separate us from the love of God not life nor death or principalities or powers nothing can separate us from the love of God the question is are we living out that love every day as we should so I'm going to ask all of you to stand we're going to play this song. The words are going to be on the screen because I felt like the words are important for you to read as you were listening to this song. And let it be a time of commitment or recommitment, as, as it may be, so that we can leave here today and say, Lord, we really want you to finish this process. Just like your scripture said, you'll bring it to completion. So please do that now in Jesus' name.
1: his holy sight
0: thank you for loving us so and holding us fast as we leave this building and go back into our lives thank you that we do so as those who are sanctified by you in the past our sins forgiven in the present empowered to live and in the future the glorification of A time with our Father, with our Savior, and with our Holy Spirit where there is no sin, but only true praise and true worship. Thank you for that work you're doing in us. Continue the sanctification process. For some of us it's going to be a little difficult because we've been unwilling and even willful against you. For others, not so much because we truly want what you want. But however it plays out, each of us, each one of us who have been truly saved by the blood that you shed on Calvary, Lord Christ, we we're able to live by the power of the resurrection that was demonstrated on the third day. Let it be the real life. In our homes with our families, when we're at work, wherever we are, that we are truly your sanctified representative to the people that we encounter. In Jesus' name, amen.